Do you wanna play a game? Do you like scary movies? Do you wanna eat some brains? Is your chainsaw arm groovy? How bloodthirsty could a talking plant be? Eat your liver with some fava beans and a nice Chianti. Come play with us forever, cause down here we all float. I never drink wine, so you're gonna need a bigger boat. Or a throat to choke, whether you're in the prim or dairy. Got red rum where your blood from. Put your dead son in the cemetery. It's him or carry. Be very afraid. You'll be our number one I'm fan and one get day. carried away. All working, no play, you know it. Always means you're in trouble, son. I came to chew gum and kick ass and I'm all out of bubble gum. What if Quint killed Jaws' his father? What if the Bob's body was marijuana? What if the leprechaun got a job as a bank guard? What if the wolfman had a cowbell instead of Every nards? scary movie made since Oscar Wilde was writing letters Had canon to watch them all and tell you how to make them better So put your earbuds in and forget what you're planning It's time to take our heads and shoot them out of a cannon 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 Welcome to Head Cannon. Today we have a very special guest, a uh, very old friend of ours from high school, maybe in middle school. Jordan, did I know you in middle school or did we really start? It was like high school we started hanging out, right? High school mostly, but I think we knew of each other in middle school. Right. Right, yeah. So very, very good friend of ours, Mr. Jordan Owens. Say hello. Hey, what's up, boys? <laughs> hello, hello. I'm, I'm Corey Jefferson, and uh, Mr. My co-host Brent Owens with us as usual. Hello. Hello. <laughs> <laughs> what's that? What'd you say? Was it awkward? I just said hello. No, not awkward at all. It was perfect. Okay. It was beautiful. So. Thanks. So Jordan, how are you doing? It hasn't been that long since we talked to you. We talked to you what, maybe a couple months ago on our on our previous podcast, Danger Explosion. Now we've got this uh, the spinoff head cannon. How are you doing since we last talked to you? Hey, uh, same old thing, really. Uh, just working construction still and uh, trying to survive post COVID life. And just got my second vaccine today, so fully vaccinated and uh, happy to get out there and start doing things again. Nice. Yeah, I got I got my second shot on Thursday, and uh, and like uh, and Shauna, my wife, she she felt a little bit rough afterwards, but it wasn't too bad for her. Um, and I, I've heard other people like they've had a lot of side effects from that second vaccine. I barely felt it at all. Like I think I was a, a little more tired than I usually am, but I'm always tired by the end of the week, so it's kind of hard to tell. Like so, I, I really didn't notice really any side effects. From, I, I, and I got Moderna. So how did your yeah. body feel? I've been an insomniac since I was young, so I'm tired all the <laughs> Right, yeah. Yeah, and I always, yeah, I'm a, I'm a night owl, and then I have a job, you know, I have to get up early and get my kids to school and, and then do my job, so yeah, it's, I just don't sleep much during the week. Um, but yeah, it was, like, both, both shots I had, Brent, like, I could feel it in my left arm, um, but oddly enough, it was like the next day, my, like, the muscles in my right arm were aching, which was weird. Weird. I know, yeah, but uh, but other than that, like I didn't like I didn't get the a cold or like shakes or chills or I like I didn't really feel bad at all. I just kind of felt normal. So yeah, that's cool. Yeah. Mine just freaking hurt. Like the the, my, the only side effect I had was my arm just felt like it was on fire for days. Yeah, yeah. After the second. And which one did you get, Pfizer or Moderna? Uh, Pfizer. Pfizer. What about you, Jordan? I've got the Pfizer. Just like my boy, the sniper, <laughs> Brent, the sniper. So shit, yeah. But we had, a, yeah. So I had a pretty good experience with it. And my actually, my oldest, because they just kind of lowered age restrictions. Uh, my oldest is fourteen. She's getting her first shot tonight. So nice. So yeah, we're hoping to youth. I guess that's good. Yeah, we're hoping to all get get vacked up. So <laughs> get vacked. Get vacked. <laughs> but so anyway so i want to dive into this movie I, I chose the movie for this week it's one of my favorite movies i've seen it a number of times and it's uh annihilation so the movie annihilation starring natalie portman 
directed by what's this dude's name? Alex Garland, who I really like. Uh, we'll we'll talk more about him and the other stuff that he's done. But yeah, this is just I've I always really liked this movie from the first time I saw it. Um, I've seen it a number of times since, and. You know, kind of as we go through, I, I just kind of want to touch on here at the beginning that there's really a strong theme going through this movie of, you know, it's really about self-destruction through the metaphor of cancer. Yeah. And and that's really not a subtle metaphor at all. Like, it's pretty obvious that, you know, like, at the, the very first part of the movie she's talking about, it goes to Natalie Portman, who's an ex-soldier, uh, now an academic, giving a lecture about cancer cells. Which I think is a badass, like, combo. Like, yeah. like soldier scientist? That's yeah. dope. Yeah, yeah. It's a badass character. That What is it? Lena is her name, I think? Yeah. So, yeah, her character's awesome. It, so it leads in with this cancer uh, discussion she's having. And then, you know, one of the main characters, Jennifer Jason Leigh's character, who we'll talk about a little bit later. Her character's a lot of fun, too. But yeah. she she it's has cool cancer. Character. She has cancer, right? And then throughout the movie, there's like this recurring, you know, motif of of cancer and and uh, mutating cells out of control and everything. And then the other thing I love about this movie is it's very Lovecraftian. I kind of think of it as my favorite Lovecraft adjacent movie. And before I get into that any deeper, I know that that's a big thing for Jordan as well. So I kind of want to toss it to you. What are what are your thoughts with this movie and and how, kind of how it ties into Lovecraft? I mean, well, it's funny because, I mean, I'm an avid Lovecraft reader, and lately I've been on a kick of, like, rereading a lot of the stories, and the tropes that he uses that are apparent in this movie are, like, almost every single scene. I mean, there's almost something, every beat, that reinforces somebody's Lovecraftian feelings, you know. Um, The fact that the mis the mystery of it is never really truly solved, I think is the biggest thing. Like the biggest thing about it is that Lovecraft wanted to leave the true horror or the true scariness to our imaginations, because that is way more potent than any kind of real depiction could ever be. Mm-hmm. So the fact that at the end, not that we're going to spoil it right away, but at the end, we don't really get like a full explanation or a full, um, interpretation of what the alien menace actually is more that it's just a feeling or a or just a an effervescent sort of entity that we don't really get a clear picture of that that part of it to me is the most lovecrafty the fact that it's nebulous that it's like um it's dependent on the beholder right like each person sees a different kind of thing yeah yeah i like that there's a lot of like i think the most repeated line of dialogue in the whole movie is, I don't know. <laughs> right? Trying to like ask, like, what's going on? I don't know. <laughs> uh, the other thing about Lovecraft is that the main character or the narration point, like the point of view, is always from somebody who is completely ignorant of what they're learning about, right? And, mm-hmm. and that you learn it as they do. So it's the same in the movie. Like Natalie Portman's character, she knows nothing about anything to do with the mystery until you're in it with her. You're waiting in and, and like you're experiencing her loss of time as she does, which is really a great filmmaking technique of just jumping to the point of like, wait, what happened? And she goes, I don't even remember. Like that <laughs> is so Lovecraft. I can't even describe it. You know, like that's exactly the vibe that he was looking for in the 1900s. And we're experiencing it like 120 years later. It's amazing. Yeah. Well, and because we even start in this like very familiar like suburban setting, she works in in a at a university, and then like and then there's an abrupt change when they go into the anomaly or whatever you want to call it, and then shimmer. the shimmer, yeah, the shimmer, and then not only is there an abrupt change there, so we change locations, but they immediately lose three to four days off the bat that are unaccounted for. They're like, not only are we in this new setting, totally new, new place in the movie, but we've also jumped ahead like four days and no one remembers what has happened. You know, they can only judge it by like the amount of food they have left. Yeah. Yeah. They have like a camping thing going on because that is also something that to me signifies like a separation from like, the world you're used to you know because i'm a big camper and when you're out there with people who've never camped before 
they get that feeling of like being out of place or being disjointed in time. They're like, what's going on? Like, what time is it? Where are we? You know, it, it's very, um, I don't know. It, it connects the eldritch horror of the space to the actual land that they're on, you know, the earth that they're on. Yeah. Which, that's the as above, so below sort of thing that's in almost every space trope known to man. Yeah, uh, that's right on. Man, and there was something I was going to save like for a little closer toward the end, but you're hitting so close to it. I'm, I'm going to go ahead and jump, like just jump in. Um, that, that I really think this is, yeah, because Lovecraftian horror, you know, I've also heard it referred to as kind of like celestial horror or cosmic yes. horror, right? Cosmic horror. And the thing about Lovecraft is, you know, the, those Lovecraftian monsters are so big and vast and eternal. Like, the fear, you know, the, the whole point is you're so tiny and in, in the scope of everything, you are so insignificant. And that's, that's where the horror is, right? Is that the universe is so big and uncaring. You're just this tiny speck floating around. And, and you truly could not matter less, right? Um, Absolutely. So that's kind of where the cosmic horror comes in. But what I like about this is it kind of brings it down, like you were saying, like, and not only to the level of the land and the environment around them, but that's even, you know, seeing that as a metaphor for cancer, you know, and, and how like the universe or I'm sorry, the environment is mutating the way cancer cells mutate. It almost brings it internal and it really it takes cosmic horror and brings it into like a body horror genre. Right. It like marries these two genres of like cosmic horror and body horror because cancer is really this uncaring uh, uh, it's, it's, it's almost, it's similar to cosmic horror in that it doesn't care, doesn't care who you are, doesn't care where you are, how old you are. Like you are completely insignificant as far as cancer is concerned. When it's ready to get in there and mutate, it's going to do its thing. And whatever you're doing or you care about where you're at in your life, it could care less. It doesn't matter. You know? Oh, absolutely. Oh, today sorry, I watched... oh I'm sorry, Jill. Um, today I watched a documentary about the comedian Tig Notaro. Mm -hmm. You know, you feel like yeah. real deadpan comedian lady. Yeah. And she like at some point in your life, she started to get hit it kind of big, and then got um, it's called C diff. I forget. It's like an intestinal disease. Okay. And then put her in the hospital for like a week, and she lost like a ton. Like looked like a skeleton. They were showing her, and then like she gets out, and a couple weeks later, her mom falls in the kitchen and like smashes her head and dies jesus right? christ yeah and then like check this out and then like a few weeks later like maybe months she starts to get real sick and finds out she has cancer and has to have like you know a, a, a double mastectomy jesus right so yeah. it's, it's kind of like it's what you're talking about like it's like her cancer is just like a filthy bitch like it just doesn't give a shit yeah I think it's important to mention that um, that uh, this movie was made by the same person that wrote, that made um, Ex Machina. Yes. And a, an actor that you've that, that we haven't mentioned yet is Oscar Isaac. Yeah. Who was who was like that head scientist guy in Ex Machina? Who I thought did a great job. Characters in the movie. It's an amazing film. Yeah. 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 I I loved Ex Machina and Alex Garland. Um, yeah, so he started out writing. He wrote a couple of my favorite movies, uh, with where Danny Boyle was the director. Twenty Eight Days Later and Sunshine, and yeah, he went on to do to direct Ex Machina and uh, Devs. Devs was a TV show I watched, which was pretty good. There, there are some things I I don't like about it. I think it's flawed in some some ways, but uh, Devs is definitely worth worth a watch as well. And as far as Oscar Isaac goes, I just kind of want to... My experience with Oscar Isaac the, is there was one point where... There was a week where I sat down to watch a bunch of movies. I don't know if I rented them. Maybe I pulled them off of Redbox or whatever. But I didn't plan on it being an Oscar Isaac marathon. But I got uh, Inside Llewellyn Davis, which is a Coen Brothers movie, right? I got Ex Machina, and I got the movie A Most Violent Year. And Oscar Isaac is the star of all of those movies. And I had never heard of him before. And I was like, holy fuck, who is this guy? Like, he's really good. And and then so I looked into him. And at that point, he had been cast in both the Star Wars movie and X-Men Apocalypse, which ended up sucking. But I was like, god damn, this, 
I was like, I fucking, I, lo- I love this guy. Like anything he's in, yeah. let me have it. Yeah. So, right, um, so go ahead. I was just going to say, if you guys had any thoughts or Jordan, anything you guys wanted to add about Eric, uh, or I'm sorry, Alex Garland or, uh, or Oscar Isaac, Jordan, I know one of, I, I really enjoyed watching 28 days later. I specifically remember watching that movie with you and that movie being enhanced by your commentary on 28 days later. Oh, I remember it too. Remember he goes out, they go to the soldier that they have like tied up like a dog. Yep. And Jordan, your whole thing was like, you got to see this part. I must've been there too. Yeah. Because yeah, you were showing us this movie yep. and you were like, watch this. He goes, <laughs> the zombie tries to lure the guy towards He's the like, goes like, Come here. Come here. We'll be friends. And he can't wait. Like, the guy's, he's got to him. Like, that's the thing. He's like, he succeeded in his ploy. The guy is, like, going over to him. But the zombie can't wait one more second. He just looks at ruins it. It's like, dude, you had him. Like, what are you not? <laughs> You're right. What yeah. you guys are referring to is that I coined a phrase in that movie. And that is the phrase, scrangle. You remember this, right? Scrangle, yeah. I remember, yeah. <laughs> Strangle someone is what I call what a zombie does to kill a guy in a movie. Like, you see the hands going for the guy's face, and then it cuts away, and there's a lot of blood that sprays out, right? And you're thinking, he probably blade runners in, thumbs in the eye, right? But you don't know what he's doing. You can't see it. It's so horrific, you're not allowed to see. That's what a strangling is, right? Also, (laughs) I don't know if you guys remember this, but... Me and uh, Mike Griffin, Aaron Barati, and a bunch of other guys, we used to have these little get-togethers where we would discuss what we would do in a zombie apocalypse. Really? Yes. And I had a PowerPoint presentation. (laughs) (laughs) Part of this PowerPoint presentation was Scrangle as an acronym. Okay? Oh, man. I know that we're big, long aside from the actual movie, but I'm just going to listen to this for the, for, for the wonderful listeners, and then we'll get back to the movie. Okay? Yeah. So strength is an acronym, right? And that's what you do in a zombie situation. S is spot. you got to spot those things. <laughs> okay. C is cower. you got to hide those zombies. Yeah. Then you got an R, and that's reconnoiter. <laughs> You gotta figure out what these zombies are about. You gotta right. get some. You gotta get some information, right? Then you get the information is, and you got an A. That's analyze. You analyze that information, of course. Then, then you got a G. That's gather. You gotta gather supplies. You gotta gather all of the tools you're gonna need. Wait, was there an N in there? Somewhere? Yeah. Did we get the N in strangle? <laughs> Wait, did I? <laughs> Okay, yes, neutralize, got it. Then you gather the tools you need to kill the zombies. <laughs> and then this one really jammed me up, because at the end you have an L followed by an E, right? Yeah. yeah. You and combine those, the two? That's really hard, you know? Like, I don't even know how to do it. Unless but you're I friends. Figured it out. It's called lead by example. Oh, <laughs> <laughs> uh, <laughs> Oh, god damn. Right. That's really good. If, if we ever strangle. if we ever cover twenty eight days later, you'll have to be the guest for that one. <laughs> I mean, honestly, if you go for twenty eight days later, it's a mistake because I could go on for like a really long time about that movie. <laughs> oh, yeah. It's a great movie. What a great what a, it made maybe my favorite vamp or zombie movie. If we did Sunshine, there would be so much to discuss in that movie too. Oh my god. Oh. Yeah, it's been a long time. I only saw it the one time, like around right around the time it came out. But I remember it being like pretty incredible. I sh- yeah, that's I'm due for a rewatch on Sunshine. For like three quarters of it, and then the final quarter of the movie, it goes into a bonkers scenario that makes no sense at all. Oh my god, it's great! Like the ending of that movie is, it's a lot. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> yeah. Fucking Danny Boyle. He's he's yeah. He's got some wild shit he's done. Oh. Uh, 
But yeah, so so like, jump yeah. in, jump back into the movie. Did you guys have anything to add before we kind of start going through the movie here? Yeah, because what we were talking about before was the idea of cancer. Yeah. And theme and how it interacts with physical bodies, right? Like mm-hmm. body horror uh, and planetary horror and cosmic horror, right? And yeah. my thought was that in the movie Annihilation, there are so many scenes where they utilize the actual earth or the actual walls or the actual um, trees and stuff to ex- exemplify the tumorous growths. Yes. As in the guy who's grown into the wall of the pool uh, and in addition to the uh, around the lighthouse where they utilize the, the earth itself to signify graves and to signify um, lines of importance coming from the lighthouse, right, as it goes out. It's like, I think those are key because the cancer comes from space, therefore the earth itself is the body. Yeah. Yeah. But yeah, that's all I thought earlier. And then and you yeah. could even suggest like the shimmer itself is like a growth that's exactly expanding. It's yeah. A growth of the body, which is our planet, our planet being the body in the body horror scenario, as opposed to like hostile, which dis- disassembles a human body. This is about disassembling our planet and our existence on a molecular level. Yeah. Yeah, I love it. Yeah, and especially like you mentioned that guy in the pool who's just kind of like exploded and growing up the side of the pool. Yeah, that's like almost like a cell that's been just been destroyed and and like growing out of control. Yeah. That's one of the most important images of the film, I think, is that guy. Yeah. That's what he was in the trailer and stuff. I mean, I really do think it comes back to that a lot. Yeah. Yeah. Um, cool. Yeah. So we've got, so we go through the, the beginning of the movie. She, so Natalie Portman is an academic, um, who's, you know, so basically the plot is she's lost, uh, the guy she's dating is a a military guy and he's got to go on this mission. And at the point we join the story, he's been gone for about a year, right? So he's, he's been missing for a year. There's no confirmation on where he is and she's given up on him for about six months or so, right? So then uh, one day he and Brent, I'm actually curious about your response to this because you texted me as you were watching this and you were about 10 minutes into the movie, you said. So it would have been the point at which like Kane, which is Oscar Isaac's character, comes home, uh, comes to Natalie Portman. She's like repainting their bedroom, starting the process of moving on. And then Oscar Isaac, Kane, like shows up and he's not really talking. He's not saying much. And they're kind of having this conversation in their kitchen, like dining area. And he takes a drink of his water and then he sets it down and there's blood in it. And at that, at that point it cuts to the ambulance and then we kind of, and then the black ops team comes in takes them. And that's when we kind of move to, uh, what's that place called? The Southern, whatever that secret location is, the Southern reach. Yeah. And what'd you say, Brent? You're right too. Room X, I think it was called. Yeah, Room X or, or Project... Right before that happens, that's that's when that, that's when the 10-minute mark. Yeah, yeah area... Right as the, the glass goes down. Yeah. yeah, Area X, and then, yeah, Southern Reach, I think, is the name of the project that they're doing there. So what were... what? Because you texted me at this point, so what were your thoughts about 10 minutes in as, like, you have no idea what this movie's about, and Oscar Isaac is just, like, bleeding into a glass? Yeah, you're exactly right. I had no idea what this movie was about, which is... I did it kind of on purpose, like uh-huh. that. And it's just like, that's why I kept, I said earlier that like most of the dialogue, not most, a lot of the dialogue is people saying, I don't know. Yeah. And that was a big thing with, with that Oscar guy. Like he just showed, he, he, the last thing he remembers is just like walking into the room with Natalie Portman. Yeah. And he has this like no idea. And it kind of comes into the, I mean, it you, you kind of like get, I'm not going to spoil it yet, but you, but it kind of comes into play at the very end too. Like why he just doesn't know this stuff yeah. depending on what and, and i did research a little bit of this movie so depending on there's a couple camps that you could join as far as what happens at the end mm-hmm. but but I, to me that kind of like made sense but anyway yeah and then and then it was really confusing like suddenly like the, the seal team comes in and like they want natalie portman too they want to get her they want to get la lila lena what's lena sorry yeah Yes, and that gets us to Area X. Is that what you called it? 
I think that's right. Yeah, Area X. Yeah. And then the project is like the Southern Reach. Yeah, is the name yeah. of that area. Yeah. So it's both. Yeah, so that's when she joins up with all the... So it's five women who end up going into the Shimmer, uh, led by Jennifer Jason Leigh, who is just such a fun character. Like, she's no-nonsense, totally detached. You find out later she's been diagnosed with cancer, so she knows that her clock is ticking. And she's just like, look, we're on this mission, we've got a goal, like, fuck everything else, we're, we're going for it, right? So, that, so that's their job. Their job is to go in get some intel about what's going on inside the shimmer like what because no one knows really yeah no one, yeah the only thing that's survived it's something good to know the only thing that has come out of it surviving is her her boy husband or boyfriend yeah Oscar are, Isaac. Are, they, are they boyfriend and girlfriend they're not married i think they're not married maybe they're engaged i don't think maybe they are married maybe they are married yeah i'd have to go back and double check they it's might be married. after they Shortly after they enter the Shimmer, you get the flashback that she's cheated on him. Yes. At some point. Yeah. So that also kind of like shows you his sort of like real quiet character towards her. Yeah. Before, of course, he goes to uh, his motivation for entering the Shimmer. Yeah. Yes. His motivation yes. and that's her mo- Yeah, and her motivation, because that's kind of why she feels she owes it to him to follow up. And I like how it plays into the kind of the theme of self-destruction so there's this other layer where she's kind of self-destructing their relationship with this impulse of cheating right yes and so uh, jason lee has a scene where it's that exactly because she actually plays a uh, psychologist yeah and she asks her scene natalie portman asks her straight up like about self-destruction she says we all self-destruct in this, this, this. And it's very clear that they're, you know, hinting at her relationship with Oscar Isaac. You know? Yeah. Yes. Yep. And it's and- good to note that all the soldiers, they have a, their own self-destruction uh, quality. Yeah. One person, one, one lady um, cuts herself, mm-hmm. right? To feel, just to feel something. Yeah. Another, another, another uh, soldier is uh, an alcoholic, mm-hmm. I believe. It doesn't, you know, um, we see that early too. And then, yeah, you say she's a recovering addict of some sort, but then she's sober now, basically, yeah. Yeah. Yes, yeah. And I forget if there's one more person that I'm not remembering. Yep, there is one more, and she lost her daughter to leukemia and uh, uh, let it affect her in such a way where she considered her own personality dead as well. So basically it was every single one of them had a varying degree of self-destruction that they have enacted in their own exposition and character arc. Yeah. And I, and I really like in that scene you're talking about, Jordan, there's, there's a moment where they really like clearly delineate between suicide and self-destruction. And, you know, and Natalie Portman's like, well, is that, you think this is a suicide mission? That's what you think we're doing. And Jennifer Jason Lay says, no, like very few people commit suicide, but almost all of us self-destruct. Uh, and basically says says that self-destruction is coded into our cells, which kind of matches with something else uh, Natalie Portman says, which is that, uh, you know, like the trend toward senescence. forever. Exactly, yeah, that, that like aging and senescence is, is just an inherent flaw in our cells to even cancer-free cells to like eventually self-destruct and succumb to old age, right? Well, I think there's an important correlation there that's a little bit hard to catch, which is that when you're talking about senescence, or at least you're talking about the cell's ability to die, right? Yeah. The ability to cause itself to die almost is what they're talking about. Cancer is the one thing in this scenario that doesn't have that. In this scenario, cancer is actually the most perfect organism because it can always keep going. It can always keep on to the next host to the next cycle of its evolution right. so almost they're creating the the juxtaposition between the idea of mortality and the idea of immortality yeah that's man yeah wow that's wild and i didn't think about that until you were just saying this but i almost wonder if it's like like the body is like a finite resource like it can only go for so long whereas Therefore, whereas like I said, the body is our earth so the it's represented as limited resources in both scenarios. You see? Right. 
Right, whereas cancer wants unlimited exponential growth. Like, it wants to increase forever. Which is like capitalism with greed, you know, like the entire cult of wealth. Oh, fuck, dude. Yeah, I, t- I, know, I didn't see that till just now. But yeah, that totally makes sense. <laughs> that was the way I read it the entire time, which was like uh, the shimmer eats everything up. Like everything is eaten up, but it's also changed and, and absorbed and, and differentiated. But at the, at the core of it, that growth, no matter how many glorious things it provides, it eats up everything behind it. It causes destruction. It leaves behind it a barren wasteland, nothing that you could ever profit from in the long run. You know, like the profit is always temporary. Like yeah. you get beauty now and then you get mutated horrific Lovecraftian hellscape later. <laughs> right. <laughs> Damn. Yeah, that's fantastic. Yeah, my bad. Uh, so then we get into, so the rest of the movie is them kind of like going through, and I like that it's kind of a beat of them uh, exploring the, the shimmer, and it kind of jumps from one scene to the next, and every one for me is iconic. Um, I feel like the first one we hit is that giant mutated alligator. Yeah, that that they find in that like kind of submerged building, and I didn't have a whole lot to say about it. It's just like all of the imagery from that sticks with me. Did you guys have any specific thoughts about that? Sure, my I guess my favorite part about it, and it comes at the end of that scene, is the camera shot from inside the alligator, like pointing at them, is like really cool. Yes, yeah, it gives you this weird sense of like, is it gonna like snap on them or something and. I don't know, it's just, it's like you're inside the belly yeah. after being, it was pretty cool. Well, and then, and then the woman is like holding the, the mouth open while Natalie yeah. Portman's character is like swabbing the inside of it. And when it cuts to the next scene, the, yeah, the, the camera is inside the alligator's mouth. And when she drops the top of the mouth and the mouth closes, it really like it, the sound of it, the speed of it, everything like really conveys this sense of weight where you really feel yeah. like the mouth is like closing on you, or yeah, at least I did. On it, yeah. You know. And what was it? Was it like mixed with like a shark or something like that? What? Oh yeah, they said it was like yeah, mixed with the the like the genetic material of a shark because it had like rows of teeth in its mouth like yeah. a shark. Yeah. And that's when you start to realize like what the shimmer is actually doing. It's like. It's it's like the opposite of what happens when like you cut yourself, you know. Like I always thought it was it'd be weird. I knew I know this. What I'm about to say I know is not scientifically sound, but I always thought it'd be weird if like you cut yourself or like your finger got chopped off. But like, what if like something went wrong and like it started to grow something different that wasn't even like a human being's like thing? Or like after I cut myself, after I cut my, my arm, what really happens is my arm repairs itself. But what, what if it like messed up and like grew, like grew something like another weird flab of skin out, <laughs> right. you know, but that's kind of what's going on in the shimmer. Like, like things are just, it, it can be whatever. And it's almost like the memory that your cells have, like, will be, uh, like get infused with the memory of other cells or something right. of like, like how to, how to grow grass or something else. Yeah. yeah oh, how what? to grow grass. How to, but, then, but it, like that gets mixed in with like your your hair follicles and suddenly you're growing hair or grass out of your head. Yeah. You know. No, yeah. That's, like what he said was exactly what's going on in the movie. I mean, that's exactly correct. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Yeah. So there's that great alligator scene, and then they go to Fort Amaya, uh, which is where the previous team was before, including Oscar Isaac, and they find that bag with a little note that says "For those that follow." And then they yeah. basically they find that memory card with the video of the yeah. of the team that was there before, which is so fucked up. Does anyone want to dive in and describe the video? I will, but I don't know if either of you want to. I love that video. Are you kidding me? Yeah, so Go good. Ahead. Like the entire thought process behind the video is great because it's proving that not only were they completely off the deep end, but also that they were completely convinced that what they were seeing was real, mm-hmm. right? No matter what. Because Oscar Isaac's character plunges a knife into his fellow soldier's stomach and slowly, very slowly and very brutally, cuts like a big old opening and tears it open. And he says, 
look, look, look to the guy with the camera to make sure that he focuses in. And inside the guy's body is not intestines that we would normally see, but the writhing undulations of a snake-like being going circular around his spinal column. Are you kidding me? Yeah. Like in yeah. Place, a stomach or a liver or nothing, nothing. And Oscar Isaac even puts his hand in there and like gets behind it to prove like what he's seeing is real. Like it, it I don't know. It, it, it really sets the tone for the rest of the film. I mean, clearly. Yeah. Like, it changes the entire thing. It's the turning point, the right-hand turn of the film yeah. is this video that they want. You know, I'm surprised the guy, like, agreed to let him do it. Like, <laughs> it was like, he was, like, after he was gone, he was like, thanks for letting us film inside of your stomach. <laughs> I was like, yeah, no problem. One of us has got to do it. <laughs> yeah. Well, and I like... Yeah, strong, strong, well, well and, and to tie back to the... To tie back to the Lovecraftian horror we were talking about before, I mean, that's so... In all of Lovecraft's stories, when like when confronted with any sizable dose of actual reality and like what's really going on just beyond behind our reality, like madness ensues. You know, like every character in Lovecraft that survives goes mad to some one extent or another. You know, in this movie where they watch the video is where multiple of the main characters who are watching it they break. One yeah. of them can't watch it again, denies its reality. Yeah. And one of them just walks away. And both of those characters later, their minds have been broken. And that's why they make the decisions that they do later. You know, yeah. I mean, like it's, I really do think that it's a turning point where they get to see the depths of what they're dealing with and how dedicated the previous people were to the truth of it or to their belief of it rather, you know? Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. Absolutely. And then that's when that's when you you start to see the guy because Jennifer Leahy's character, she go she knows where that where that video's taken place. I think she's she's been to that compound before. Right. And she knows that's when that's when you go and you see the guy, he's now the cancer cell that's spread up on against the wall of the pool. Up the pool wall, yeah. yeah. They did have a scene they did have a line where they said that it was Southern Reach's previous base of operations. Yeah. And she had been the operation for a long time so it was pretty much guaranteed that she was still the boss when they were at that at that place like she had, she knew that facility in and out yeah yeah and then and then so then they're like okay like it's too because they're like we want to go we want to leave and they're like jennifer lehay's like no we got to stay we, it's too dark we got to st- st- do camp and then this is something that i caught as a comment online that i found and i was like oh yeah why did they do that but like where they go and sleep is like this amazing, like elevated, like little house. Yeah. Like a tree house. It's not a tree. It's like an, yeah. But like where they, where they set up like their, their, um, reconnaissance or their like viewing of the surrounding area is on the ground, <laughs> like wide open, you know, like <laughs> there's no walls or anything. Right. And they're just like looking through binoculars. No, it's really funny you should mention that because I thought about this really, really a lot. And the uh, okay, check this out. Natalie Portman's character is with the other ladies, and they're in the guard shack, right yep. up above everything. Yeah. And yeah. then she looks down and sees that Jennifer Leahy's character is um, on the ground level. This is the character who knows she has cancer. She knows she's going to die. Yeah. She's the only one down there. They come down and join her. So I believe that she was down there, like, having a moment of, like, defiance, saying, like, I don't give a fuck, basically, about safety at right. this point. Because <laughs> Come I've and given take up me. Completely. And they made the mistake of coming down to her, you know, like, joining the cancer-ridden one. <laughs> and they paid yeah. the price, of, you know, somebody paid it the is. price immediately. Yeah. Oh, yeah. And that's when we get to the bear. Is that, that is it the well? Bear well, there? so so the bear grabs Shepard, the character Shepard, yeah. and then so it kind of cuts to the next morning where they're walking, and that's when Natalie Portman goes out and discovers Shepard's body. Right, she goes and finds her body. Um, and then is it somewhere around there? It's right around there where they kind of they state, uh, textually that the shimmer refracts light, right? Light, sound, it's like a prism, 
basically, you know, you, you think of that. She sees the deer and other, other things at that point that are reflections and duplications, yeah. Right. Yeah, those two deer especially. With the, the branch yeah. antlers, the brantlers they got. <laughs> amazing. I, I want to mention something I think it would fit here, and that is with the refraction and everything. Whereas um, I saw, again, I did a little research. I, I, people are much smarter than me, and I liked hearing their stuff. But remember the water glass in the beginning? Um, they're holding hands, the two of them. They're holding hands, and the shot is through the water glass. Oh, like yeah. reflect, reflect, refracting um, their image. So, like, their hands are, like, seem closer to the camera or whatever. Huh. But it's that whole, like, it's even there. That, That's oh, interesting. Without a doubt. I thought it was kind of cool. Well, and also, in addition to that, they have a lot of shots in this movie where things up close, at least, are in a configuration that is mixed together. You know, okay. um, whether it be fingers touching each other or uh, faces interacting, there's a bunch of shots where they are blending two things together. Like that's sort of a big theme throughout the film. Nice. Well, and, and kind of as far as the refractions go, you know, I always kind of think of like the iconic image is that the Pink Floyd album, you know, where there's like a beam of white light hitting the prism and then there's a rainbow coming out the other side. Right. And and time and again in this movie, you have like the, the surface of the shimmer is like kind of rainbow colored, like it looks like oil on the surface of water. Yeah. Right. Um, everything inside the shimmer like kind of has this rainbow uh shimmer to it and even when natalie portman is like viewing her own cells later when she's looking she you know she says that the shimmer has gotten inside of her she's watching her cells divide and they've got like a, a rainbow shimmer to them right yeah yeah very cool just believe that that is a representation of the fact that whatever is the entity is affecting every single possible thing within its area of effect, mm-hmm. whether it be an organism or whether it be inorganic matter, right? Like no matter what it is, it's doing something like it is taking effect. It is aggressive. Like, like you said, I mean, like we said in the very beginning, I mean, this entity is cancerous. It is, the epitome of growth and that growth is explosive in every way and and every entity it encounters the growth is different whether it be a mutation of the current form but more likely an actual radical departure from that form yeah cool yeah for sure yeah so that uh so then that kind of brings us to brent you mentioned the the bear scene which is again and i feel like this movie at this point kind of just goes from like one iconic scene to the other one and this is where the character i think the character anya has just lost it like you said jordan she like mentally snapped um she finds that lena has been lying to them because she didn't admit that she was in a relationship with oscar isaac she finds his picture in lena's locket so then we kind of wake up where Anya has the remaining characters like tied to chairs and then that's yeah. where the bear comes in, right? Oh, the craziest idea for a character in a oh my god. Yeah. It's scary. It was scary it was some scary shit. Vocal cords are supposed to be speaking in a tone of its last victim. That is fucking gnarly. <laughs> yeah. So they hear they, they hear the dead the dead lady. What's her name again? Um, um the last Died, uh, Shepherd. 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 Yeah. yeah. They hear Shepherd like like she's about to like the the the, the crazy lady's about to kill them pretty much, and then they hear Shepherd. The bear is speaking with Shepherd's voice. Yeah. Because it's, right, it's, people know that yet. Yeah. Cr- Absolutely. Yeah. Oh, it's yeah. well, and then the bear comes in, and its face is all you know. You can see its skeleton under its face, and it's just. You know, and Anya runs out to attack it, and you don't know what happens to Anya at first. And then it goes through, and there's just such tension as all these characters are sitting there trying to be still. And this this bear is, like, walking between them, sniffing them, and they're trying not to move to, like, get this bear to attack them, right? 
but the bear is also like scree- like it, it's opening its mouth and then the shepherd's voice is coming out like <laughs> yeah oh it's so crazy yeah so it's creepy fully never seen, so I like, <laughs> yeah so so yeah so then the bear it ends up killing anya it, it rips her jaw off um and then the other character, who is it, Josie, who we really haven't talked about, Tessa Thompson, who I love. Tessa Thompson is incredible. She's wonderful yeah. in everything she's in. She's amazing. Um, but she, she's the one that ends up killing the bear, right? Just like blasting it in the head with an assault rifle yeah. until it's dead. <laughs> um, so then we kind of cut to, they kind of rest for a moment. Uh, well, no, this is at the area they're already resting at. They've seen the plants that are kind of shaped like humans in the shape of humans. And this is kind of where they totally break. Like Jennifer Jason Lay takes off by herself in the middle of the night. The next morning, Tessa Thompson's character has just seen too much. And this is really where I feel like the film, let me see if I have it written down. It kind of, especially to go with the theme of cancer, it kind of takes the three paths that that you can you can go whereas oh let me see i I know i've got this written down i'm so sorry but we're like jennifer jason lay's uh character wants to go face it right she just wants to run into it and see what it is natalie portman's character wants to fight it she's gonna resist with every last fiber of her being whereas tessa thompson's character she accepts it and she like peacefully calmly walks into it and becomes a plant person as she accepts it. So I feel like at that moment, the movie's drawing like three ways to kind of deal with this fundamental reality of being a, a, a finite mortal creature that will end eventually. You know what I mean? Yep. Oh, I completely, yeah. I think especially the one that Tessa Thompson does first is the most like uh, philosophically or uh, expositionally important because she's the one that chooses to accept the shimmer or the you know the growth the intruder as what it is you yeah. know like saying I don't care how it changes me I'm going to become one with it therefore there'll be no more pain no more suffering blah 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 you know yeah. the whole trope sci-fi of like join the hive mind or whatever the fuck it is. And then you'll be happy. Right. Cause that is a trope that's definitely here in this movie. Right. Yeah. But, but in this point like that, that, that hive mind, like joining the, the almost seems to be like joining infinity, right. It just seems to be like accepting the inevitable, uh, uh, just like, well, annihilation that, that every creature will inevitably face. Right. That's the title of the that's, movie. That's the title of the movie, right? Yeah, <laughs> yeah. So we get to, <laughs> so we get to the 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 end of the movie uh, where Natalie Portman is on the beach, and she's headed to the lighthouse. At this point, either of you have any thoughts on that, or or, or want to lead us into the lighthouse? I think uh, it was what we were talking about earlier with the body horror, right? Because at this point the people who have come before are what you call like the canary in the mine mm-hmm. have gone in and established the terror for the people that come after. But the dedication of the character is saying that I see this, I see this display and yet I'm going to go forward means that they're like Natalie Portman in your trifecta that they're choosing to fight or whatever the, the narrative it's choosing to fight through in order to see what's inside the lighthouse. Mm-hmm. Like, we don't want it to end like Lost, where we don't get any answers. <laughs> right? right. We don't want it to be lame and be like, what is going on in the lighthouse? No, we want the character to get in there into the lighthouse. But at the same time, we don't want to ignore the fact that it is a, a transcendent moment, you know, where they used VFX to the fullest. Right. Like if somebody's right. watching that moment and saying, this is the moment where she's encountering the goal of the movie, you have to make it as cinematically awesome as you can. So right. I think it was amazing. Not only yeah. the trees, but also yeah. the 
just, I think it was amazing. So, so Natalie Portman goes into the lighthouse. Um, that's where she finds that uh, her her fiance, husband, whatever he was, maybe husband, I think, Kane, uh, had made it there before. His skeleton is on the ground, burned away with a phosphorus grenade. Um, and then, yeah. so then she goes into the hole and finds J- Jennifer Jason Lay down there, and this is kind of where we meet the creature, uh, the alien. Yeah. Um, so yeah, this what, is it's real. This is what, yeah. So what thoughts did you guys have on this part? Oh, it's I mean, a fantastic part. It, you know, they, yeah. they find, it, she finds out that it's her husband based on, there's another tripod and a camera. Yeah. For some reason, all these batteries are still alive after all this time. <laughs> you know? Yeah. <laughs> she finds out that it's, that he's got a clone though, right? Yeah. Like he's handed off the phosphorus grenade to apparently a clone. Yeah. Well, I, I think the insinuation is that he put, he opens a phosphorus grenade on himself and the cameraman is the clone of him. And it's the clone that it's the clone that goes to visit Natalie Portman later is how I read it. You know, hands off the phosphorus grenade is actually Natalie Portman. That's how she defeats her own clone. Yeah. Yes. Yes. But like she discovers that she could do it in, um, once again, it's all about duplicity. It's about the the fact that it is happening twice, and she discovers how to use it to her own advantage. Yeah, yeah, and yeah. so yeah. you know, and and I kind of wondered if this wasn't a metaphor for like uh, chemotherapy, right? Just like setting fire to everything, <laughs> like just like just yeah. like kind of burning it all, even like harming the self, but also like trying to clear out the infection that is there as well, you know? Yes. Yeah. Yes. No, without a doubt. Because, I mean, we saw the fact that he took the phosphorus grenade, in this case, you know, the medicine, mm-hmm. and he took it in itself and it burned himself. But the idea is to give the medicine to the cancer, to trick the cancer into taking it instead of yourself. Right. right. Like that's how she wins versus the way that he dies. Yeah. And and really, and again, when it comes to like actual cancer and actual chemotherapy, again, it's all kind of random. Like it just, who knows? Like maybe it'll cure you. Maybe not. Maybe you'll survive. Maybe not. Like everybody does the best they can. But at the end of the day, it's like kind of indifferent. It kind of just is what it is. And you, you have only so much control over it, you know? Without a doubt. And, and I think that's why like the, you know, the alien doing its weird, like, dancing thing and mimicking Natalie Portman. You know, I love that that kind of Lovecraftian horror of it because you can't understand its motivation. It doesn't want anything in the way that a human wants anything. It just is what it is, and it does what it does. And you there, you can't even hope to understand it because it's so far removed from any human thought or motivation, you know? Actually... I mean, I, I agree with you on one level, but I do think that its motivation becomes clear if you look at the movie in uh, in its entirety. Mm. Like, in the beginning, you see the main character interacting with a copy of her husband, right? Right, yeah. And he is what the entity has tried to do, is create a human being in its entirety. The, it's, a, it, it's basically the same as Ex Machina the movie that we watched is like the, the goal is to make something that's so indistinguishable from human that you can't tell what it is. Mm-hmm. So when the being is copying her movements, that's what it's doing. It's trying to create like a perfect copy of a human being so that it can proceed into this world without people like trying to kill it. Yeah. Yeah. No, that makes sense. Yeah. And I, and I, you know, I almost read that as, you know, a a lot of alien movies, you'll have like the aliens want to come, they want to conquer, they want to take our resources. Like there's some kind of end game goal there. And I, and you might be right that the alien, there's like a conscious thought that it wants to be human passing and it wants to infiltrate. But I, I read it as more of a, just like an evolutionary, like that's just what it does. You know, it goes to places, it mimics what's around, it duplicates. And there's not necessarily a conscious thought there. It's just the way that it has evolved to survive. You know what I mean? So. I that. No, I don't think it was a uh, conscious effort. I think that 
basically what we experienced was a being gaining consciousness in slow steps. Mm-hmm. You see my point? Like, in the beginning, Oscar Isaac's character, all he can remember is the room he came into. Yeah. Yeah. Right? Like, all he can remember is that he saw her and he responded in a certain way. But one of the greatest lines, I think, is one of the first lines of the film where he says, I recognized you. Yeah. Because he's not Oscar Isaac. He is a clone Mm -hmm. from some alien fucking thing. And yet still he recognizes her. I think that's a very quintessential, uh, an important point, you know, like that somehow the entity has discovered how to mimic human brain patterns in that moment. Right. That's why I think I think Natalie Port. I think um, Lena. I don't think she's Lena. I think she's the. Cl- no, I think no. she's the- I agree with Brent. She's a fucking alien. At the end, you think no- nothing has come out of the ship alive. Yeah. Like everyone. We to- hey, we were going to get to that question no matter what, but yeah. <laughs> and see, I'm totally, I'm totally fifty-fifty on it because I think that I could see it both ways. I could see where it, where it is that. Natalie Portman was actually the one that was destroyed by the phosphorus grenade and it was the clone that made it out. And that's why you see her eyes shimmer like rainbow colors toward the end. I think that's a totally valid read. I also could see that Natalie Portman destroyed the clone, made it out alive. um, And then, so she's a survivor. She's the only one that survived this cancer, say, for no other reason than just that she did. But she has changed, as a person, she's changed because of it and has kind of taken on those traits. And that's why her eyes glow rainbow color. Yeah. And I really, I don't prefer one read over the other. I think, I, I for me, there's like 50-50 chance either way. Because she also drinks in the glass, just like Oscar Isaac did. He drank a glass yeah. of water at the beginning and there was a drop of blood in it. There's a very intentional shot where she drinks a glass of water and sets it down and there's not a drop of blood in it. So right. I, I, for, I think that represents that she is the more perfect iteration of their imitation of human beings. A better evolution? Exactly. From Oscar Isaac, they learned their mistakes, and they produced a better copy. And the better copy will go forward and be able to like actually integrate with human species. Like I think the one part we left out was the crazy transcendental... LSD trip part, which we really should address a little bit. I just got to say, we can't <laughs> just not address that part. Like, it's like a clear nod to anybody on hallucinogens <laughs> is the fact that this, the being and what happens to Jason, Jennifer Jason Lee's character and stuff. I mean, that's total insanity, right? Like, yeah. And that is the part where people say that it's no longer deep, it's now just a crazy drug movie. But I think that it really does serve a real purpose in the film, personally. Yeah. Well, and that almost reminds me of, and, and I made a note earlier, but I kind of skimmed over it, where earlier in the movie, especially, like some of the horror comes and the movie is so bright. Because typically you think of horror and it's like dark and you can't see what's out there, what's going to jump out and scare me. But this movie is so bright at points. It reminds me of the movie yeah. Midsummer or Midsummer, whatever it is. Oh, yeah. uh, oh, oh I love that. Yeah, which is a to- which is such a the whole movie is so bright and it's so scary and creepy and again some of the visuals in that are some of the closest real representations I've seen in a film to what like you know tripping is actually like you know what I mean I really do think that at the end of this film it, it accomplishes a similar thing where they're really trying to represent what somebody would experience under an alternate reality you know yeah. Yeah, for sure, yeah. for sure. Um, okay, well, I want to. We're kind of we're running running up against the time here, man. This has been such a great conversation. I want to. I'm going to ask you guys about your headcanon of this film, kind of what you would imagine could be different about this movie, or or is running going on behind the scenes of this movie that kind of enhances it for you. But I kind of have a pet theory that I don't know if either of you have read Stephen King's Dark Tower series. Yeah. Um, but okay, so for me. This is not an adaptation of The Dark Tower, but I think it's the best cinematic adaptation we've had of The Dark Tower, especially since the movie with Idris Elba and Matthew McConaughey is so terrible. Um, 
So Jordan, <laughs> since you've read it, follow with me here, right? So we've got a world that has moved on, right? We've got mutants. Yeah. We've got time that runs weird. Time does not run like it normally does. Um, you've got a main character who's lying and sacrificing her tet mates to reach the goal, the obsession, which is a big tower at the center of everything. Um, it's a told tale where it's like starts in the future and she's telling the story about the past. Uh, the end, I think, could be a little disappointing to people who don't like you could read it one way and really enjoy the end, or you could read it another way and say, I didn't like the ending. Uh, the Shimmer is kind of like a thinny, right? The portal you can go through in the Dark Tower. And you even get like a monster bear, almost like spewing maggots. It's decaying. It's destroyed. You get Shardik, the giant bear, in Annihilation. For me, this is the best Dark Tower cinematic adaptation for my money. Ed <laughs> head cannon. That's my head cannon. Head cannon, dude. I love it. <laughs> All right. What so, about you, Jim? what All do right, you got? Brent, go ahead. Oh man, I don't know. Like, it was kind of a hard decision, but like, it'd be cool if like the shimmer expanded and like to the reaches of the internet <laughs> and like shot through the internet and started changing things about it. And I thought. It would be funny if, like, they start changing other movies, and then I thought of like, Mr. I thought of Mister Doubtfire, <laughs> where, like, where like instead awesome. it's like it's this mom who gets separated from her children and she has to like dress up like a butler. <laughs> and, so wait. So this movie it's just so causes like a reverse Mrs. Doubtfire. I thought about this. There's a scene in the like the middle of the movie, like the apex, oh, where like, the little boy, the little boy has to go to the bathroom, and it's just like dad squatting and the sound of pee happening. <laughs> this right. man is a comedy genius. Oh, man. Let's just let's just say what, let's just say what it is. So He's a comedy. <laughs> so what about you, Jordan? What's your head cannon? Oh, oh my God. I'm so distracted by the Mr. Doubtfire. Now, <laughs> my head cannon is the most traditional Lovecraftian head cannon there is, which is that the entirety of the fucking storyline is an extension of the great old ones, you know, an extension of the, the Cthulhu mythos, where so many things have happened in that like span of time, right? Where this is just a return of yet another alien race where this is like their fourth or fifth try at colonizing us. And if they don't succeed this time, they're just going to gain more information. And the next comet they send will be even more effective and even more destructive and even more good at making fake humans that will then go and impregnate all of the other humans just like every other god species does right yeah and i i don't know if you have had a chance to mention this jordan but this does kind of mirror you pointed out earlier i think maybe before we stopped record or started recording how it almost mirrors the plot of color out of space right that's exactly right i mean what it is basically is an alien entity beyond description encountering some people at a specific place, changing the geography, changing the molecular, you know, cohesion of the yeah. local beings and changing everything around it to the point where nothing resembles humanity anymore. Yeah, totally. Yeah. It's really, it's one of my favorite Lovecraftian stories, even though it's not Lovecraft technically, it's probably my favorite up there with maybe as far as movies go, maybe the mist. Uh, which again is not a Lovecraft movie, but it, it's a, based off a Stephen King story. Um, but but yeah, the the Mist is maybe my other favorite Lovecraftian movie. So which we'll cover it's at some point. Under the category of it for sure. Yeah. So and just so everybody knows, uh, they can follow us at uh, you know follow Head Cannon. That's two ends like shooting heads out of a cannon. Uh, follow us on Twitter and Reddit at Horror Movie Pod. Instagram at Head Cannon Pod. You can find us on Facebook. Uh, Danger Explosion, Danger Explosion's headcanon. Now, next week, we're going to be covering the 2019 
Thai movie, Inhuman Kiss. Uh, I think that's available on Netflix right now, so make sure to check that movie out before our episode next Wednesday. Jordan, did you have anything else you wanted to share or, or, or um, you know, plug before we get going here? Oh, just the fact that last time I tried to plug uh, Candy for Monks, and it worked out like gangbusters. <laughs> I sent some candies to some monks, and they fucking loved it, baby. Really? Nice. Yeah, I got it to Colin right before he left. And so, like, five days before he was done, he got to treat all of the monks with candy. <laughs> <laughs> Not, well, dude, if you have any, any like, uh, anything you could send me on that, like any pictures of monks eating candy or anything, I'd, I'd love to share it. Or any of your PowerPoint presentation of Scrangle. Yeah. I will <laughs> I also love to share that as well. So. <laughs> yeah, I've got the full fucking PowerPoint presentation. But also, you can just check on uh, Shinryu Garvey's page for the pictures of him sharing the candy around and stuff like on his last few days. Apparently, right after he got back from uh, his last uh, mission, he got to like That's give all the mission. That's when he was training to be on the video game Street Fighter. <laughs> yeah, I believe is uh, his secret technique was something along Shaolin Bach, Shaolin Eagle Claw. <laughs> <laughs> nice. Word. All right, well, Brent, do you have anything else before we get going? So, like, Mr. Doubtfire, right? He, he's, like, trying to... He's cooking dinner for the kids. He's cooking dinner for the kids, right? And he's flambeing something. <laughs> flambeing something. And, see, the part of his costume is that he has to shove something down his pants, whereas Mr. Doubtfire had the chest. And somehow that catches on fire. Crotch fire. Maybe he's like too tall. He's too tall for the the, the stove. <laughs> and he says, um, he says, first day of being a man, and already I'm getting hot flashes. Like he still uses that same line. <laughs> I love it. I can't. I can't wait to see this I think movie. It's getting cut. I have a feeling it's getting cut. Yeah. <laughs> 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 All right. Well, th- All right. well, thank you, Jordan, for joining us, uh, gentlemen. It's been a blast. Yeah, man. <laughs> yeah. See you guys Thanks later. All right. Bye. Bye. And this has been Head Cannon. <laughs>